the I thumbnail the, though, the thumbnail looks so precious. Like he's standing there, like like oh, dude, he a looks sophomore like a, in college, giving yeah. a presentation in like his school. Squishy pants. He's like, I am the this quarterback. This is what coach. supply and demand yeah. looks like. I am the quarterback. Hello, I'm Dan Mullen. I am the quarterbacks coach at the University of Utah. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com. You can send us emails to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. You can get the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pod, Center, Stitcher. And we're also uh, out on out on the Instagram on occasion. The DMs are open there as well. My name is Logan Whitehouse. Oh, sorry. I should say what the Instagram is. It's Wheel Route Podcast. That's it. That's it. All one word. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I'm on Twitter at LogwonTheDawn occasionally, and I am coming to you guys live from Stewart, Florida, where um, I guess we're potentially bunkering down for another tropical storm headed like straight straight here. So, uh, you know, had some travel plans later this week. We're going to TBD on, uh, on how that stuff's going to go. But uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, late action here broiling out there. Um, above puerto rico right now so uh you know wouldn't mind if that uh, took a jog north um but we will see how it goes you know we don't even we don't even really you know pick up the lawn furniture for less than the, the category three around here so you know it's what it is but um not fun was kind of thinking we were done with hurricane season yet this year so anyhow it was a lovely weekend of football though i had a great time on saturday who else is here my name is Jordan Shank. I am in the friendly city of Harrisonburg, Virginia, where global warming gave us a, a balmy weekend in the 60s and 70s. We're, we're three, three weeks away from Thanksgiving and uh, probably could have played golf in shorts on Saturday morning. I chose pants because I respect the game. Right. Um, and yeah, but uh, yeah, so we got some rain today um the leaves are are falling trees aren't completely bare yet because it hasn't been super cold who who to thunk it um i'm sparingly on twitter.com at uh at shank jordan my wordle scores are still there for public consumption um, that's right <clears throat> you haters i will never log off um i did see an interesting video cross posted to twitter today of uh a man who engineered and built a sarcophagus for a bag of flame and hot cheetos i did also see that yes yeah i love i love when people a like their mind works that way but they're also just like so committed to it that they will go through with it oh yeah i'm sure it was like a concrete it was it was a full-on concrete box too yeah like and not like investment reasonably sized for a a bag of flaming hot cheetos it was human size and one singular bag of flaming hot cheetos when that was like sort of suspended in like a 
it was like suspended with like the four corners like chain yeah, chain stay thing. Yeah, he said it was to pre- prevent uh, protect it from seismic events, which I thought was was. Oh, a good that touch. is that's an elegant solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. as an engineer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is a really that's really nice actually. I I love that. Um, yeah, there's some there's some really good content on the internet these days. You know, you can yeah. really really get out there and find some stuff. Um, how uh, how boosted are you feeling on a scale of one to extremely boosted? Oh, that's right. I uh, did my one of my civic duties uh, right. last week. I'll be doing another this week uh, at the ballots. Uh, that's right. On Tuesday morning, of course. But uh, Thursday after work, I got the one-two punch of mm. the bivalent Moderna booster. So I'm a I'm a four X Moderna boy. So my superpowers okay. are are through the roof As a- at this point. <laughs> It's only a three X Moderna boy. I haven't I haven't ventured to the fourth yet. So I got the bivalent booster and I got the flu shot in one go around. Um, Friday was rough. Friday, <laughs> I, it wasn't like necessarily like nauseous, but there was a lot of headache and just super tired. I think yeah. I took about four and a half to five hours worth of naps. Yeah, you texted Friday. you texted us. I've taken several long naps. I think I'm going to stay up for this football game. Because <laughs> I, I believe it was the Washington game was about to kick. And, yeah, it kicked uh, off I was, I was I going to bed. It was like, I made it through the entire first half, like, unfazed. And nice. then I decided, Attaboy. like, okay, I got to be up somewhat early for golf Saturday, so I'll sure. I'll take it to bed. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, feeling feeling boosted now. My COVID shoulder is... is mostly free and uh you know not rusted up anymore so um yeah back in these streets just just in time to get on a plane here at the end of the week so perfect perfect um jason crick is is notably absent from the podcast tonight as is tradition here on sundays when basketball season starts uh basketball season looms go dukes uh jason um, has passed along a couple of thoughts uh, via the text about the football game yesterday. We will not take him out of context at all, certainly, and uh, oh, discuss no. those. We would never and, do such and discuss those when the time is right. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Jordan, you'd be happy to know, played some pickleball today. Ooh. Yeah. Absolutely unloaded the clip on the in-laws. Um, <laughs> Good for you. And, yeah. Again, they were asking for it, and they got it. Uh, and uh, you know, fan of the podcast, Andrew Martin is in town this weekend. Okay, um, he caught a couple. He got a cu- got a couple whoopings there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good. I love pickleball. It's fun. It's just, you know, I, I'm not breaking any new ground here uh, by liking pickleball, but it's a fun game. Yeah, it looks like something that would be a a good thing to dip your toe into. And I've seen like some PGA Tour guys are yes. are getting into it as well. Um, so that might be a good lifestyle decision for me at some point to like continue climbing the social ranks. That's um, a good point. Add more yeah, country clubs. The buy-in, to my... the buy-in is pretty low from like a you know equipment standpoint too. Yeah. Like you, I mean, I think I got like two paddles and a set of balls that I can like roll around with. It was like forty bucks or something. So, nice. you know, we're and I'm not we're you know I'm not I'm not playing with just old old wood stuff. I'm not John McEnroe, you know, out right. here with this in the streets, but. Uh, yeah, good time. You really have to just abandon the fact that you need to hit the ball really hard because it's a wiffle ball. It slows down so fast that it, the game is way more about like angles and spin. Angles and spin, yeah. Then it is, especially if you're playing doubles. Doubles is like yeah. extremely fun and fast, but you are standing just very close together, just like volleying with intensity. So it's a lot like short game, you know? Is yes. what it sounds like. Yeah, you got to play with a lot of shifua for yeah. sure. Shifua, flight, spin, not so much trash and ball speed. Correct. 
but it's a good time. Uh, someone is currently parked in front of my house their flashers on, so just keeping an eye on the situation. All right. Well, we'll let you, you know, know if you got to call you know time out. If anything weird is going on, uh, we will do that. Jordan, are you drinking anything of note tonight? Back on uh, the bubbles. Just, just Kirkland bubbles. I, uh, you know, the picks didn't do great from last week's <sighs> mm. episode. We'll get to that. Who would have um, thought? I didn't do quite well enough to deserve maybe a maybe a more exciting bevy tonight. So understood. Yeah. Likewise, uh, I was I'm, I was planning to abstain from from boozing until my trip, but uh, I guess we'll see if the trip happens now at this yeah. point. But still on the water, just in case uh, we get out of here. But uh, yeah. Anyhow. All right. Um, well, let's just get right into. It it was it felt like a busy day on Saturday of college football. Yeah. Did you did you get that feeling? I did. Um, as as mentioned, played golf with our absent co-host and uh, another friend Saturday morning. We we teed off at nine fifteen ish. Uh, made it around pretty good despite Excellent. being hung up by the group in front of us on the back nine for a bit. I think it was like a three and a half hour round. Um, all things told. But we were up in Newmarket, so I I got to smell the poultry plant uh, oh, that mm. we all know and love. Um, but yeah, I think I got back home around probably right right at the start of the second half of the UVA game, which kicked at okay. noon. Right. Um, but yeah, it felt like okay, noon stuff is happening, and there's some like borderline interesting stuff at least to my rooting interests uh, at that hour. And then we went into the 3.30 slot, and it got got really spicy at, at the afternoon hour. But Absolutely. Turned it wide open. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a good day, all, all in all. I had some wings going on the smoker at Ooh. various points, uh, some leg quarters as well. Uh, what, on what, there, uh, so. what kind of preparation approach did we take? With the wings, yeah, uh, we kept it pretty simple. Tossed in a little olive oil and uh, just salt, pepper, chili powder. But uh, we we tossed them in sauce afterwards. So we okay. had some a- some um, Asian zing from uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, which yeah. is a, a, just an all time good sauce. Forgot that, yeah. and uh, a little buffalo buffalo garlic uh, as well. So yeah, it was good. I've, I think I've I don't want to say I've figured out the wings thing, but uh, I have a pellet smoker, as you know. Mm-hmm. big big huge pellet smoker guy and uh wings like you can't really overcook them necessarily but you can undercook the skin and there's like a yes. certain break-even point on temperature you need to reach to make sure the skin actually gets cooked appropriately yeah. so you get a little bit of snap it isn't they don't need to be crispy necessarily we're not frying the wings but they need to snap when you bite them yeah. and uh so you know I, I seem to have honed in on i cook i smoke them at like 275 uh that gets them done in like you know, you get a full rack on there. They get done in about an hour and a half or so. But they, they're they like, it's appropriately hot um, that the skin actually gets cooked well. And, yeah. you know, so anyhow, this is a slow way to, I'm not, again, this isn't breaking news. Um, I'm sure I lifted this off the internet somewhere. But uh, that seems to be what I've done. And I, I think I've tried to lower smoke on the wings before too. And while they might get smokier, they don't, um, the skin doesn't get, cooked enough to my liking yeah so what i've what i've done the past couple times i've made batches in the oven i actually haven't done any in the air fryer yet interesting um, which i'm excited to do at some point but uh i think 
think this was a seriouseats.com uh, approach. Shout out to my guy Kenji uh, over there. But he, um, there's like a baking soda or bake, baking powder. Baking yeah. powder and like your salt, pepper, toss it or whatever you're going to rub it with. Toss it in that the night before and okay. put it on a rack in the fridge for 12 to 24 hours before. And that kind of pulls some of the moisture out. And I'd be interested to, to know how that would impact, like if you wanted to do a lower smoke, maybe that still gives mm. you a crispier skin if you do some of the like, board, it's not quite dry aging, but I guess it's the same idea of like pulling some of the moisture. Sure, yeah, yeah, Because I mean, yeah, I think some at various points people will tell you to like pat, vigorously pat dry the wings um, mm -hmm. if you can. But yeah, honestly, we didn't even cut these down. We left them whole, Hooter mm -hmm. style. It was, it was good times, you know. Just how we like them, Hooter style. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, good day. So let's get into the weekend real quick. We can bounce around. Uh, Coastal Carolina took care of App State. Kind of a it was, it was sort of back and forth there at the beginning. I watched the first half of it. Uh, I believe Coastal won the game thirty-five to twenty-eight on Thursday night. Did you catch any of this? Coastal's offense is and, and remains a delight. Yeah, a lot of fun to watch until I remembered that UVA has to play them still right, later true. this yeah. month. Um, it did look like their QB tweaked something in the lower half of his body, uh, but I think he was able to finish the game, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Who is this? Grayson McCall. Oh, yeah, he's been I, – I, I did get some confirmation. He has been a little dinged, I think, on and off this year, so okay. I wonder if they're, they're kind of keeping him on a bit of a pitch count here and there, but – I don't know. He seemed to be playing, and like I said, he, he got he got a little bit hurt, so we will keep an eye on that for yep. sure. But doesn't look like a ton of fun. Virginia's defense, you know, up to the task at times. Uh, would be nice if if we could if we could see a, a complete to use a Billy Napier term, a complimentary effort from the offense. Yeah, uh, one of these now, days. See this like the Coastal Carolina game. I bet Bronco Mendenhall is on his ranch somewhere in Montana, just thinking like, gah. I love defending the option and all of its all of its yeah. intricacies. One of his passions. One of his passions. Right. Yeah, and he misses out. Like <laughs> he probably scheduled that game specifically so he could have another uh, variation of the option to try and game plan for. And now, now, he, so maybe they can bring him in as like a, a guest speaker this week. Uh, hey guys, remember me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just won't be awkward at all. That's like when Florida fans are like, I think we should bring Will Muschamp back as defensive coordinator. It's like, you think Will Muschamp, who's probably still getting paid by the University of Florida after being such a terrible head coach, is just going to be down to like not be the head coach? Like, get out of here. Like, I mean, anyhow, it's funny. Um, uh, okay, real quick side note while we're talking uh, Bronco Mendenhall, uh, Stephen Godfrey has re reported more or less that uh, Bronco Mendenhall has been, uh, I guess, thrown his name in the ring for the Colorado job. Oh, I could see but, that. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, I just will forever be a little bit mystified by how things ended at Virginia, but I guess we can all probably, we probably all need to get over that at some point. So, yeah, uh, but the, fine. I think like I'm, yeah, I'm still very curious about it and would love, would especially love like, not a 30 for 30, not that. An oral history, produce, if but you like will. an ACC network version of a 30 Ooh. for 30. Yeah, with tactical like sunglass commercials. Yeah. yeah, a Hasselbeck brother doing the one-on-one <laughs> -on -one interviews. Um, 
Heather Danich could get a, a guest, uh, you know, spot oh, no. as, as a prognosticator. Um, Heather Danich, she used to run the ACC blog. It was so bad back in the day. Remember yeah. those, the conference blog days? Wow. Yeah. What a time on ESPN.com. Yeah, that was a tough time because it was like, she was one of the few female journalists at the time. Shout out mm -hmm. to her. But it was like, the stuff you wasn't felt a little, good. So you, <laughs> you felt a little you bad. You had to tiptoe yeah. around like how you hated on the content. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. You didn't want to like found, find yourself with like an unfortunate ally situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, there's that. That is for sure. Um, there was choice language, which is probably uh, good for us because it like it taught us the art of subtlety in having yes. in having. There's opinions. one thing that yeah, legendarily we do well at subtlety, for sure. All right, Jordan, UNC was at UVA. You mentioned uh, you were able to, I guess, probably catch most of this after uh, you dusted off the links. Yeah, I watched, um, the, uh, watched the second half. Uh, Virginia was leading at halftime. They were. Somehow. Um, I watched well, the lower second scoring half. affair than, but well, I mean, lower scoring by North Carolina maybe than we would have thought or potentially. Yeah, I, I hard to say. Well, so I watched the second half and for the life of me could not figure out how Virginia held that offense to 10 points in the first half. Um, I have not gone back and reviewed the film, but uh, North Carolina did the thing they seem to have done for the past several years, which is when the Virginia game happens, one of their wide receivers makes himself a lot of money uh, in the NFL. Uh, yeah. I believe in the past it was Deami Brown who, okay. who enjoyed feasting on Nick Howell's uh, defenses and today or yesterday Saturday we had Josh Downs with yeah. a career high of 15 catches 166 yards one tud uh, they also give up they also gave up almost a hundred rushing yards to quarterback Drake May yeah. um, that that is disappointing given the one I, I the one uh, Drake May like scramble quarterback run uh touchdown that he had in what was it the maybe like the, the very end of the first half or maybe just beginning of the second half but he i mean it was one of those plays that's just unfortunate right virginia defended the play well flushed the quarterback out kind of had him more or less dead to rights and then he just like slowly circled back around the whole field and then had the angle there was no one over there it was just like yeah the the, the mega cutback somehow worked for the quarterback i mean he's not a like a bad athlete he's gonna be really good i mean i think he's gonna be um like what people wanted sam howell to be from an nfl draft prospect standpoint um good assuming you know the development is there because i think there might right. be some questions about development in north carolina at least based on how the off they run their offense but um i yeah, still wonder if these guys are like just system qbs personally but well that's what i'm saying like yeah i think like yeah. if you can learn the system early you will have success and then your success will continue to be the same success because you know the system um but he he like makes some fairly impressive throws like moving with the foot moving yeah. like which i think is a little bit more indicative of skill set and a little bit less indicative of just um system but i do think that the longo system is a little run and shoot high schooly sometimes so i mean yeah. i'm, I'm kind of with you on that but yeah so uh second half defensive performance uh, disappointing, confusing, I guess, given, again, sure. I was coming into a cold. North Carolina's only scored 10 in the first half. I'm thinking, great, we got some stuff figured out. Um, perhaps that was not the case. Uh, offensively, 
UVA was missing their top three receiving targets in this game. Uh, mm. Lavelle Davis, Dontavian Wicks, and Keaton Thompson all apparently got injured during practice uh, in the week leading up <laughs> to the game. Good, um, good week of practice. Yeah, that uh, that raises some questions as well. Uh, I was glad to see Brennan Armstrong get more involved in the running game. I was a little disappointed with, again, some of the throws he had but did yeah. not put the ball on guys. I mean, there were some drops. 17 for 35, is that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. There were some drops, but there were also some like, okay, like these are your second, potentially third string guys, and they're like – there's an opening there and you you should be making that throw at this sure. point in your yeah. career. So um so there was that. The the last thing I'll say disappointing slash concerning, like UVA burned two timeouts in the second half uh while the punt team was on the field. The first time was because only <laughs> ten men were out there. Uh the second time was because they play clock was about to expire um mm. i don't understand a how like special teams has not been a bright spot this year i don't know how like to quantify how bad it's been because it's yeah. more than just like starting field position stuff it's organization it's yeah. it's kind of the same like stuff that played mike london like you had 12 guys out there and you got a radio announcer yelling like get off the field there's a famous call we're like uh uh one of the color commentators is yelling like get off the field i forget his name player but he's like trying to tell this kid from the press box to get off the field field. Uh, yeah that's tough there's i know like famously i don't think um oklahoma employs a a special teams coordinator like that's yeah usc now it's a lincoln riley thing yeah, that's like a Lincoln Riley thing. I'm, I, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying like right. there are like widely, wildly, I should say, and widely like diverging schools of thought on like the care and time and marginal effects that special teams can have on your team. And, you know, yeah. you watch like like LSU had their special teams played better in that Florida State game in the first game, like would only have one loss right now and would be probably – knocking on the door of a playoff spot, you know, and, you know, so like these things definitely matter. Um, You will not be surprised to know that I think South Carolina has the quote unquote best special teams unit in the country, according to however they quantify these things. So good for them. Uh, I think Notre Dame's like really nasty at blocking punts this year. They blocked like dozens of punts this year or something in like a really weird, like, I don't know how that's happening. You're in a position where one of your two main units is not a clear plus which sure. Virginia is certainly in that situation. Like you got to find, <laughs> yes. you got to find some scraps yeah. on special teams on in in like the gutters, and they don't seem to be right. Well, either. it means you got to divert time. You you got to devote time to it, and yeah. you know, I don't know. It would appear that some people are reticent to do that. So, um, all right. Well, disappointing loss. I saw that there there were some people generally. Um, kerfuffled on Twitter about some ACC officiating officiating shenanigans that were going on in Charlottesville yesterday. I heard it was bad. I I can't say that I'm surprised to hear that it was bad. I I just, you know. Well, yeah, there was a weird, like, end of... So Carolina won by three. 
they ended up running the clock out in field goal range. So if Virginia had been able to stop the clock multiple times, they could have kicked a field goal. Mm. Virginia could have got the ball back to right. to potentially go score a touchdown. Um, but it looked like on the third down of that run the run the clock out, uh, there appeared to be a false start that that looked yeah. pretty obvious, but didn't get called. Um, and it was not clear. Which would like, stop the clock, right? Yeah, which would have which would have stopped the clock. And they ended up getting the first down because it was a broken play. Like half the defense froze and was pointing at this guy on the line. And Drake Oof. May took advantage of of what a, you know amounted to a free play. But um, anyhow, mm. like if if you're Virginia, I guess like there is maybe some solace that you kept it that close, missing your biggest offensive weapons on the outside. Right. Um, but at the same time, like it feels a lot like the Miami game, like a missed opportunity for of course. an important win. Definitely. So, all right, we'll move on from that. Who's, uh, we'll move into the home stretch of the season here. Uh, bowl game, not probably on the table. Yeah, they got to win out. So Coastal, Virginia Tech, and Pitt next week, I believe. Ooh. Ooh, Pitt could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pitt has come all the way back to earth. Uh, not not great. Although, I, did they win this weekend? Did they beat Syracuse 19-9? I believe they were involved in a 19-9 game, which had to make the Narduz pretty happy. Um, yeah, that, that sounds like Syracuse's music. I don't think Schrader <laughs> played this week. No, so. he did not. Uh, all right. Florida was at Texas A&M this week. Uh, we got some late sort of news towards the end of the week that Texas A&M was dealing with a, a flu outbreak on their team. Um, allegedly, they were missing uh, several players due to this. Um, they were missing like 17 players in total. Uh, over half of them, I believe, were starters. That This wasn't all flu-related. This was also just general injuries and shenanigans and um potentially transfer transfer portal blues that the program, yeah yeah cetera, transfer the tra- the the uh the general transfer portal uh you know itis that might break out on a team such as texas a&m uh sure. but regardless uh florida's defense did not show up for the first half of this game we were look it was looking like it was going to be a lot of the same uh famously texas a&m has not scored more than 28 or has not scored 28 or more points in a game since halloween of 2021 and um, they scored 24 in the first half of this game, took a 24-20 lead into halftime, and proceeded to only gain 96 yards the rest of the game and score zero points in the second half. So Florida's shout-out to Florida's defense for uh, putting the putting the clamps on them. It's hard to take a whole lot away like from this performance by Texas a and They looked very thin in this game. Haynes King, I mean, tough. I have a tough... Uh, time understanding how that young man was like five-star chosen one type quarterback it is not good he doesn't i don't know if the coaching it feels like though we say this about all of the five-star quarterbacks that jimbo lands yes at texas yeah. A&M. right it, it, we this is and not some the of them first Florida one. state too. did you did you happen to see any of the haynes king throwing experience footage not this Saturday, but I've seen okay. some of the early. Stuff. So yeah, I likened his throwing motion to Cam Young's golf swing. There's like a 
He's like a weird, like extended pause at the back okay. before he kind of like let everything like, load He looks up. like yeah, he's like building some lag into his uh, <laughs> in, into his his throwing That's how motion. He generates speed. Which, yeah, which maybe is why he threw his arm out last week. Like he he had like a non-contact throwing injury to his shoulder throwing a football last week and then i believe it was forced into action this week because connor wigman had the flu and couldn't play in this game he looked very hurt like the whole game he was limping he was also under duress um florida did not miss uh brenton cox uh which was interesting had their probably best sack output quarterback mm. pressure output of of the year um yeah some, some encouraging signs you know i i kind of come on here and gripe about florida not showing improvement and i think some of that is like results dependent on the games you played yeah um you know defense has not been good i'm not going to sit here and tell you that it has been but uh i mean I, I saw like a stat line i think anthony richardson has like almost 900 passing yards and or maybe it's 900 total yards and um nine touchdowns and and no turnovers in this last three games and that's against lsu georgia and now texas a&m so yeah. not not like slouchy performances necessarily he seems to be um becoming more comfortable and getting developed more um florida was able to get him loose on a 60 yard touchdown run in the first half of this game which was nice uh which tends to like mean he's Settle going, to, down play, a he's going to play really well once he yep. can kind of like get the mojo going a little bit on a run like that he's very fast yeah he does not appear to be running very fast and he burns it so um yeah yeah they looked good um yeah generally happy with the performance Texas A&M is in trouble. They have Auburn. I believe they play UMass <laughs> after Auburn, which is weird. And then they play LSU, um, and they need to win two of those to make a bowl. So um, going to get a little sticky for them. Auburn continues to be kind of game in a weird way, uh, but still lose, which is tough uh, for them. But, uh, but yeah, go Gators, I suppose. Um, Florida has... South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Florida State left. So, um, all in all, like, I don't know that you – I think the Florida State game is winnable. I don't know that I think Florida is going to be favored in that game. I believe it's in Tallahassee. But, um, like, I think if, if Florida's able to win their last three games and they go eight and four with losses to, like, potentially two top ten teams and a yeah. Kentucky team that was, like, I don't know kind of playing at a top 25 level when you lost to them. Like that's not so bad with a win over uh, Utah. Like not, not bad now. I, I kind of think Florida probably gacks one of these last three up and finish the seven and five. And you know what? We'll take that too. Cause it seems to be um, some good progress. And the team does actually seem to be playing, can, playing harder um, than they were sort of in their doldrum low point moments there around like that Kentucky game. And, and stuff like that. So I, I think yeah, it's I think it's good. If, I'll be I'll be happy with that. If you can get a seven and five kind of in that manner of things got rocky in the middle, but we steered it in yeah. the right direction, that's way more encouraging than like some of the UVA under Bronco Mendenhall, like, oh, we jumped out to a six and two start and finished right. six and six. Like that's right. That's tough. Right. The, this is Florida's doing the the Tennessee thing where you uh you know maybe it's looking Generate a little rough at the beginning of the year. For next yes, year. yes, that's what you want to do. Um yeah. and and continue some momentum into the trail, um and uh, yeah, but we are hitting that time of year too where the transfer portal is going to be heating up. I think kids got to get in by December fifth or something like that, because um, I think signing day is going to be like a week or two after that. So uh, we'll see. 
things happen fast around here. Mm. But uh, we are in a talent. Football is a talent acquisition business, Jordan. People are saying it. And, uh, you it's know, true. always be recruiting. Cannot argue with that. Speaking of talent acquisition, Georgia Tech was at VPI this weekend. And we're just touching on this for, for uh, you know, Schadenfreude purposes, I suppose. But VPI really, really, really spit the bit on this one. Not sure what happened. They um, did. And I saw a tweet where they, like, they did everything in their power to awaken the echoes. I think this was this was the first time in maybe over a decade they had scored on offense, defense, and special teams in a game. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So they were playing all of the classic hits and still managed to lose to Georgia Tech, uh, a road Georgia Tech team who did not trot out Jeff Sims for nary a play. They, they brought the backup in there and – Took the lunch pail home. With. Yeah, it, I mean, it would appear like far better for me to talk a bunch of trash here, but uh, Virginia Tech, it's not good. It's it's not good. It's yeah. not not supremely promising. Giving up like large runs of points to Georgia Tech in this year, not great either. You would think that maybe like you know at this point in the season you would have gelled a little bit. Um, but hey, Tony Elliott and, and Brent Key, or is his name Brent Key? Brent. Cry. Well, Brent God, Key, Key is Georgia Tech's current current uh, interim. My bad, uh, Brent Pry. Been weird, not. Yeah. So, so the results are. <laughs> really looking forward to the Friday after Thanksgiving, though. That's going to be uh, that's going to be an all time sickos performance. <laughs> anxiety bowl sickos performance for sure. <clears throat> for fans of the program, uh, Texas was at Kansas State. Jordan, you had a BDI on this one. Um, I was. For some reason, watching some some Miami taking in way too much Miami Florida State. Yeah, uh, at least the beginning uh, of that before I was I was drug elsewhere. But uh, how did this go? Tell me about it. Yeah, so I I had a little uh, little parlay cooking on Saturday night. Uh, it was uh, who is it? Texas, Alabama, and uh, Georgia to to all win. And okay. once I saw. Once I saw Texas like get out to a lead and pretty much stay there, like Kansas kept in touch, they would tie it. Texas get back out to the lead, right. and then they made it two scores, and that's when it felt like okay, I got this in the bag because Alabama certainly won't blow it. More on that later. Um, <laughs> Great parlay, unfortunately, R.I.P. But uh, yeah, I thought like uh, the run game for both of these schools was was heavily leaned upon. Um, and it was cool watching Deuce Vaughn do his thing. Um, if I'm yes. a Texas fan, I have concerns about the defense and and what's going on on that side of the ball. Um, I don't know what the what the Cretans like over there. I would imagine it's pretty pretty solid given that you are Texas. Um, Quinn Ewers looked fine. Uh, I was not blown away. But I was not yeah. like, uh, you know, looking for the next guy either. So, yeah, good. I mean, it's a good win for Texas to to come in on the road and beat a Kansas State team who was feeling all sorts of peppy, especially after their game sure. last week. So, yeah, I mean, it's a definitely like a, a win Texas needs if they want to uh, try Take to the next step. Yeah, towards backness, I suppose. Texas, though, I think we've talked about this before, but like. They continue to be very mystifying in like the version of their team that shows up. Yeah. Um, uh, on a week to week basis, it gets it's it's very uneven the performance that you get. So, um, looking for them. All right, 
the Dukes of James Madison were at Louisville in the slice. Um, I watched a little bit of this. It would appear that the Dukes maybe are suffering from some just general attrition issues at this point, which we, we mentioned could be a thing. Um, well, yeah, at the beginning attrition, of the year. like, I, I don't know if attrition is the best word. I think it's just depth. Like, attrition can kind of be interpreted sure. as, like, true. people jumping ship, I feel. Correct. Um, Injury depth-related attrition was what yeah, I meant, for the record. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like they may be lacking some dudes. Um, Louisville, like, quietly has been playing with pretty well the last month or so too when it really appeared that scott satterfield was like on his way out the door um you know i don't i've i think i actually removed his name from the big board of of uh potential firings now things could still get heated up again we'll see but um yeah they've been they've been playing well uh coach um signetti after the game i think summed it up pretty well just kind of did the uh they whipped our in the second half um yeah i was looking you know, for that exact quote line. but it basically like they played big boy football on us in yeah. the second half um and part of making the move is like we just don't have that roster kind of management or construction like we're not beefed up sure. to that like i think he said they were struggling to get guys out there on special teams just because of the way things are right now from an injury right. and roster standpoint um he also threw yeah. in a nice little, like, you know, that's just the way it is. And if fans don't understand that, I don't really give a uh, right. barb there at the end. So good good to see a ball coach, you know, be, <laughs> talking. be a straight shooter. Yeah, talking ball. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't I don't think that's an excuse. I think you're allowed to discuss the things that affect. You're allowed to your, explain your, what took yeah. place, for sure. Yes, exactly. So, um but yeah, I, the Dukes hung around. They were in touch in this one, and uh, and Louisville sort of put it on them in the second half, pretty good. Pulled away. There was some just ambient chippiness throughout this game. It would appear. Uh, it would. It, it seems Louisville. I, I saw. I guess Louisville's. They they didn't shake hands after the game or something. The team like oh. went off the field immediately. Like oh the horror. They didn't want to get you know in trouble. Uh, you know there was obviously the the fan accounts on both sides are you know going to, going to tell their sides of the story. Um, there seemed to be an incident on the sideline. I, I don't know. Was Malik Will, Malik Cunningham um, being yes. run off the field? And like there, it would appear that he had his hand tangled into the face mask of the defender yes. and like kept him with him, which is, I mean, all time cheeky, all, all time cheeky move. Yep. Yeah. All the way into the, the wall to where it, it sort of appeared. The JMU player like rode him all the way into the wall. I don't know. Maybe he was willing to go to the wall, but also his face mask was being held. Yeah. Uh, I think the JV player was ejected from the game for this. Um, and then they like unejected him and just gave both players personal fouls or something. It was really weird. There I, was a long delay while they sorted it out. Um, yes. I think the JMU defender could have uh, done himself a favor by throwing the arms out as, yes. as he was being dragged into the wall. Um, Great point. Hard to do when you're running at top speed, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody practices churning the legs that fast with your arms just <laughs> straight out. That's correct. Red eagle. So, um, right. Yeah, but tough one for the Dukes. They uh, they will continue to get better. I, I you know, um, I I guess I'm, I'm just minorly curious since Jason's not here. We're allowed to wildly speculate, but you know, they have at at points, you know, 
been the darling this year. They made it to the top 25. That's yeah. awesome. Good for them. Does their coach get consideration for, you know, a UNC Charlotte um, or one of these, you know, potential regional closer to the region um, jobs that comes open? We have maybe had some offline conversations about this where maybe, maybe not, but also, um, I don't know. Like you're coaching at JMU, you're clearly, I think, ambitious. You made the move from one good school to another and have, you know, now ushered them into the, the big boy leagues. Like if you're in the mood to cash in, this is probably the time to do it. Cause I don't, I don't think that, you know, again, JMU is going to need to continue to recruit and to, you know, flush, flush out their roster before they can probably like reliably compete for the Sun Belt. Um, they might have, you know, some flash, you know, opportunities, but like I'm just talking, you know, what needs to be done yeah. typically. So, yeah. So Kurt, I'm just curious. Is, is 61 years old. Uh, okay. He has spent his entire coaching career basically in the mid Atlantic um, with the exception of being the quarterbacks coach at rice for a couple of years in the late eighties. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He spent some time at Alabama at NC state. So he's seen like big power five, football and knows what that entails so i guess he like in theory he should have a pretty good idea of here's here's what i do or don't want in terms right. of the rest of my career however that long however long that ends up being um i would imagine like any any school doing their due diligence for their search uh at the appropriate level would kick the tires on him um but we we have no way of knowing one way or the other because our inside yeah. source i guess he's a old, trap he, yeah um, right 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 what, i think he's um older than i thought he was so that's interesting he's a he's a young looking 61 i mean i you can still coach at 61 but yeah you'd, you'd have to be like the jump that he would be making from jmu would probably be a job that would require a fair amount of work so yeah just let's just put it that way <laughs> so, yeah like you don't I like I certainly hope I'm not just like starting a new project at work, like a new big project at work when I'm 60, you know, right. like JMU's a great option because he didn't have to, he didn't really have to build anything. He just has to sustain it um, mm -hmm. and like build upon it. He's not trying to resurrect anything. Right. So. Yeah. But if, yeah, if you're taking over at Charlotte or, ECU or mm -hmm. something like that, you're probably going to need to, uh, you know, do some serious like roster foundational work stuff. and, and yeah. likely fundraising and, and things of that nature. So, um, all right. Florida State was at Miami. This was one of the all time terrible performances I've ever witnessed. Uh, really, just in general. I mean, I mean, Virginia one time beat Miami 48 to nothing famously last game in the, uh, the in the Orange Bowl, which was pretty rad. But uh, I mean, this Miami team looks like I cannot I cannot overstate how checked out they appear to be right now, which is really weird. And and I listen, I get it. I think Florida and Miami are attempting generally the same thing. The kind of like roster builder coach culture guy. I likely am biased towards what Billy Napier's got going on because I'm a fan of the team. But and he's winning like, some games too. Florida's winning some games, and you know the team appears to be trending in the right direction. And like we, we, they appear to be playing hard. 
er, yeah. and you know, the, yeah, the defense sucks, but like Miami just sucks. Like they don't have any get any juice on offense at all, and on defense, they I mean they get pushed around. Florida State, I think Florida State's good, right? I I don't actually I yeah, I kind of thought well. Florida Day was pretty. Florida State was a little rinky dink. Um, they are squarely like middle to upper third ACC team at this point um, with, you know, their expectations and talent and stuff. But yeah, it's just, just really weird. It's really weird. Like I'm curious how, you know, uh, Mario, you know, struts out and does this like ultra hardo press conference every week, right? Not good enough. We know what we need to do. We need to get to work. Like that's his big thing. That's what he likes to say. We know what we need to do. We need to get to work. And like at a certain point, like what are you guys doing during the week? And like, why does the team appear to be quitting? Like if, if culture comes first, then I have a tough time. I would have a tough time buying into the culture that I'm seeing there because like, just because you get an influx of good freshmen next year, like, what, what kind of culture is established there that these kids are going to like buy into and learn from like talent is one thing, but you know, deployment of talent and like squeezing the most out of talent and is, is a whole, is a whole nother thing. And I'm not saying it can't be done. And I think Miami's like, I think this, the floor on Miami is going to rise just because I think the talent level is going to be um, borderline elite there. But I'm very curious how like you look at this and this like these game day performances you know eventually you got to play the game right yep. like the whole point is to play the game not to just build the program well and i wonder on the culture front like how much of it is well we're just going to kind of rely on these freshmen too to like they're going to be the ones creating it to a degree because like sure. i just i can't do it with this roster i inherited some of these guys hopefully enough of these guys will leave on their own accord see the writing on the wall that we can we can kind of flush that uh anti my culture out with relative quickness we can use the portal kids want to come to miami spend the remaining college days there great let's let's bring them in um and maybe that's an easier task than somewhere like a virginia was for bronco mendenhall um sure but yeah i like it is it is surprising to see Miami or a program of their ilk just like not show up. I didn't see a lick of this game, but I did see a wild fight video from the stands. Yes, that was that the the poor like resource officer guy the that was trying to walk guards, the guy yeah. out of there. Look, he looked so over it too, and then he just turned around and you could see it be like. Oh, now, to no, his like... credit, he like he picked a guy and and stuck with him yeah he didn't get distracted by like the the that guy the guys just on either like aisle slapped and punched him and slapped him <laughs> in the face <laughs> the first dude who was staring him down uh the first like miami fan that was staring that guy down was just like, like the big eyes you know, and the, the like shaken a, face you know i'm not gonna say it was a cocaine look but it was it was a pretty cocaine yeah, look because i don't know what that looks like but right. if i had to not. guess um yeah i mean it's weird easy easy for me to talk trash now and kick a team while they're down um but you know this team got blown out by middle tennessee state they get blown out by you know you have a home game allegedly you're hosting 60 plus blue chip recruits at this game and this is the the performance you show them and like yeah it's a nice stadium and um 
the lights are cool and and maybe like with, when the players run out of the smoke it's like it's sweet but you know I, I really hate to like make fun of Miami because no one comes to the games thing but like that's not a great look either it's the biggest game of the season it's allegedly a sellout and there's yeah. like numerous sections that are like completely empty it was just it's just really weird like I, I don't think Miami's completely broken I don't think it's you know gone forever but I think that they likely made some errors in who they hired from a coordinator standpoint. Um, namely, I don't think the offensive coordinator situation has gone well this year. Um, I don't think they're putting their quarterback in the best uh, position to succeed, which maybe isn't an offensive coordinator thing, because I think you could say this about Mario Cristobal's stay at uh, Oregon as well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting the next couple of years to see like if like, – because. I think Miami's trying to do the Texas A&M thing a little bit and like kind of in some ways put the cart in front of the horse when it comes to like football um, and, and just like focus solely on talent acquisition and like kind of think that the football is we'll going to figure just, it out when the football here. is just going to happen. And, and I don't know that that's the case. So um, anyhow, but Florida State looks good. They look dangerous. They like do a really good job of generating big shot plays and yep. the quarterback is up to the task. So when he's healthy and, and moving around, like he's really dangerous. They, they look pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll jump down one here. Speaking of Miami's former offensive coordinator, Red Lashley had himself an evening. Um, did you see, did you see the final score of this? Yeah. SMU? They said uh, F, FBS in the ranked era record for total points in a game. Right. But right. So, the two teams. Yes. This was Houston at SMU. SMU wins the game 77 to 63. It's 140 points. The over, the over hit. The over was somewhere in the 60s. Or the over-under was, I believe, set like 60, mid-60s. Um, hit that. It would appear they hit that at, by halftime. So things were things were moving quickly. A 35-point second quarter by SMU is a pretty good quarter. Um, a 56-point <laughs> first half, pretty good first half. But um, yeah, I think the quarterback had um, numerous numerous touchdowns. I think Seven he counted for I think. He, he accounted for ten. The uh, SMU quarterback, I believe, accounted for ten touchdowns. Yeah, which is the a SMU lot. quarterback uh, goes by the name of Tanner Mordecai. Logan, yes. do you know where he transferred from Ooh, to SMU? I should, I should know. Uh, no, I don't. It was Oklahoma. Oh. My oh. guess was BYU with a name like Tanner Mordecai. My guess was Brigham Young, but yeah, yeah, or or like hand up, East, I was Eastern wrong. Mennonite or Heston, you know, one of yeah. those one of those type situations. But um, anyhow, just kind of a, a weird game. It was it was wild. It was especially wild to see uh, Miami's offense floundering so hard on the night that Red Lashley's offense was quite literally breaking records. Uh, hey, there's a guy. Maybe he, he gets his tires kicked, and uh, I continue collecting finder's fee on Rhett Lashley. For for who? For what, what position? Uh, head coach at, like, Ole Miss, maybe, when, when Lane takes Auburn. I don't know. Okay. Like, his, his star continues to rise, just yeah. like I, I foretold <laughs> several years ago. Uh, and then... Actually, uh, hold on. Time out. Rhett, yeah. 
Rhett was at Auburn for a while. He's an he Indian family guy. Like yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they're calling they, Maybe home. we found the dark horse candidate. You're right. They do love they love Gus so much there that they were trying to fire him for 10 years. I'm sure they'll want Gus's secondary play caller. Uh, yeah, well, he's he's bounced around enough that the, the Gus smell is off of him. True. And they will have that 77-point performance to lead back on. Right. So. He did it at the perfect time. Right, in, in front of the Eagle Club or whatever they're called. Yeah. The War Eagle Club, the, the Plainsmen. Uh, <laughs> all right, Mississippi State, also, Jordan, uh, we don't, this game is not, like, particularly important to me. They beat Auburn in overtime. Not a, not a tremendous. couple yeah. funny things out of this game. Um, <laughs> Cadillac Williams is the head coach at Auburn. He and, I believe, Ike Hilliard, former Florida wide receiver. Oh. Great. Ike Hilliard is either the offensive coordinator or, or he's – or He's some sort of high-level assistant at this point He's the interim at, at Auburn. At this point. The two of them were running down the field together to call a timeout in this game, and I kill you very clearly pulled his hamstring. Yeah, like and like was, was keep like up. like had to do like the arm around the arm around the trainer like walk off the field in a orange polo shirt and khakis, which was I mean it was just funny. Like I mean I hope I hope. He's okay. I'm sure he'll be fine. But um, just you could tell maybe maybe Ike hasn't really opened it up in a while. But he was he was yeah. getting hype for uh, for calling that timeout. So they called a timeout. Um, and then also Mississippi State at the end of this game. So they they kicked the field goal or they scored, and it was going to be. Uh, I guess they were down three, and I don't know really what happened. They they it was like an out of place onside kick basically but they ran the sniper play and yeah. they drilled they drilled one of the up backs like and they the announcers were like belly laughing about it it was hilarious because there's nothing funnier than slow motion seeing like the, the center guy who's like a he's like a third string offensive tackle or something right that yeah. like just is is just well not built. if your program doesn't place emphasis on special teams true 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 he, he might be like a, a second string tight end if your program cares but yeah. regardless you know tough to expect anybody in pads and a helmet to react to like a ball just drilled at them like yeah and i mean it just hit him just square in the chest and bounced back and mississippi state got on it and was able to kick a field goal and either tie the game or or i don't know how it worked out win the game um i do think this game did go to overtime though which it did yeah uh we also saw mike leach uh folding up chairs on the sideline yeah the chairs Uh, that his wide receivers i think normally sit in because they had not were not playing up to snuff they've apparently been in the doghouse for a couple weeks now with coach (laughs) leach so Uh, coach leach you know like I, I, it's just very interesting that that man is still it, it, in wherever the hell Mississippi he lives is staying right now. Yeah, is just just out here getting it done. Just like he's a football coach, such a strange guy. Very yeah. weird. But anyhow, all right, all right, Jordan, take us to Pickville. We've been Pickville rambling. population, some sad boys this week. Yes, uh, we no way. I I mean I haven't gone back and fact checked this, but I feel pretty confident in saying this was the worst. Uh, collective week of picks in podcast history. Um, Jason and I were riding together, I believe, which is so. I hope y'all faded the boys. Just Just, dangerous for me. (laughs) Y'all being our listeners, I hope y'all faded us. If you were firing live bullets, Um, sure. Jason and Logan were, as we mentioned, attached at the hip for all five games. Uh, They took a zero and five right on right on the chin. Wait, I shouldn't have got Georgia wrong. I was on Georgia. Were you on Georgia? 
I I thought I was on Georgia. Okay, we'll go back thought... and listen to the tape because Jason was on Tennessee. Okay, and I made. I, mean, I was I, I was spending my entire day thinking I was on Georgia, so I I'd like to apologize. I'd like to apologize because I, I I would think I thought I had talked to myself into that being my only one. I didn't lose, so. All right. Well, we'll I'll go re okay. recheck the tape. Um. So Logan Logan currently on the spreadsheet is an O M five. T B D. We'll wait for the ink to dry. I'm just looking uh, Jason is definitely an O M five. Okay. Um. Fair. And I went two and three thanks to. Uh, the two earliest games on the sheet, first of which the aforementioned state, Oregon State at yeah. Washington in just a windy, absolute, just what torrential did they call wind. this? A, a river? They called it the, um, there was like some weather term I had never used for this. The atmospheric river, I think is what they called oh. it. They called it an atmospheric river, like that much wind and rain. There's going to be like over an inch of rain accumulated during the game and, and like the wind atmospheric river. So bust that one out. Yeah, I didn't see that's a, That's a good one to file away. Thank you for that. Um, I did not see a ton of rain in the first half that I watched. Okay. Um, I did see a lot of wind. I was impressed with Oregon State. Uh, they jumped out to a 7 nothing lead. I thought they probably should. So and end of the story. Washington wins 24-21. Uh, but Oregon State had some opportunities there in the first half, yeah. the first quarter specifically, where they went for some, you know, questionable fourth downs where on the road, like, one of them you had a chance to kick a field goal. Maybe you didn't like the way the wind would have impacted that, but I think you were inside the 20 at that point. Um, so it felt like it should have been met makeable range. You get a chance to go up 10 nothing Instead, you go... For a fourth down there, get stuffed, uh, kind of keep Washington in touch. Uh, Penix threw some balls through the wind. He also threw a very bad pick six at the end of the first half. Like, uh. it could not have been more right to the <laughs> And it came on the heels of the announcers just praising his arm talent. Yeah, um, I, I so heard a different podcast mentioning the, the announcers were very in the bag for Michael Penix. Sweet, sweet, sweet Michael Penix and his, uh, and his strong arm, strong yeah. left arm. The arm, the arm talent was there for sure. Um, yeah, the Huskies <laughs> won, but they did not cover. So, yeah, a good tough not to great see. team. Yeah, tough to see. But Oregon State, you know, good for them. Yeah. Making moves. Um, oh, speaking <clears throat> of, real quick, Oregon State, bowl eligible. They, they touched the rankings. We should also congratulate the Kansas Jayhawks football team for oh, gaining yeah. bowl eligibility this weekend. Um Jason Bean and the boys out here, out here Jason slanging. Jason Bean it. had a wild scramble for a tud. I, <laughs> yes, I didn't did. see that. The Bean machine was loose. Uh, you know, I remember, remember all those weird tweets that the Kansas coach and quarterback were getting off, like making it seem like he wasn't hurt, and we just haven't seen him in like six weeks. So yeah, maybe, maybe he was hurt. You know, maybe like when does where where does our our sweet freelance reporter go to get his apology for reporting that Jaden Daniel Jalen Daniels uh, had a torn you know rotator cuff or something? Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe on the new Twitter he'll get that. People, people are asking. <laughs> Unlikely. Uh, next, we had the game that Logan maybe picked right, but I don't think he did. This was Tennessee at Georgia. Um, I, I mean, a, a shellacking, especially in the first half, and then it looked like Georgia was just kind of like enjoying being in the lead, and yeah. that maybe – 
caused a lack of focus and concentration and execution. Um, Tennessee got back into it, felt like the backdoor cover was very much in play. I mean, they got back into it for backdoor cover purposes. I don't yeah. know. That they, they did not get back into it. For get, I think they scored their touchdown with like 440 left in the game to cut it to 14. But they were certainly in it for backdoor cover purposes. Yeah. So I was really impressed with Georgia's first half. The second half left some things to be desired, I think. But uh, Georgia's first half offensively especially – very yeah. impressive. Stetson Bennett looked like a man on a mission to cover the spread in the first half. He um, really did. Did the did the call me uh, gesture after his his scrambling tud after uh, his phone number was allegedly leaked, and he got a bunch of calls the night before the game. Just Social a classic media. a classic college quarterback gag here. Yep. No no Heisman campaign is complete without. Uh, so one they mentioned on, on the broadcast that he's like one of these guys who only has a flip phone and is not online. Oh, um, sure. I, a, I don't know how much I believe that. B, I feel like a guy with flip phone, phone also probably is not sloppy enough to just like have a leakable number that Tennessee fans well, have access yeah. to. Well, why does he have such a cool haircut if he's not online? You know? Yeah. He, I feel like well, he came he's into he's around teammates. He's looking like Stequavia. They're they're calling him Stequavius now because he's he's got the sick the sick lineup. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Georgia is really super impressive in this game. I again, I'm I'm like, I think Jordan. I was laying out all the reasons to take Tennessee, and then I I like I like sort of reeled it in. It's like, but I'm going to take Georgia. I think that's maybe where you're going. Okay. Um, to what you're going to find on the tape. I'm hoping that's what you're going to find on the tape. Cause, Cause it, I again, remember it. This is what I have convinced myself. And I was like going into this, going into watching the game. I was like, I am on Georgia. Like, I think they're going to win. <laughs> oh no. Cause we all, I thought we all picked Georgia. Well, J- Jason picked Tennessee. Oh, okay. Well then pretty maybe sure. I'm an idiot, but I, I thought I was, I thought I'll I was go back Georgia. and look for the okay. text, but I, the way I remember it was you, saying something to the effect of I keep wanting to like talk myself into taking Georgia, mm. but you took Tennessee. Mm. I'll, I'll check the tape later. We don't have to <laughs> Regardless. I mean, well, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I guess I'm just, I'm not surprised that Georgia showed up in a really big game. Like they have been hands down, like the best and most impressive, like big team, big game performing team yeah. in, in a while. Big game hunters. Yes, uh, it was a home game for them. It was rocking, you know, 120 decibels on the uh, the decibel meter, officially the loudest ever recorded, brother. Um, oh, between Seahawks the hedges, fans are going to be livid. Yeah, it was it was rocking between the hedges, but uh, yeah, I mean their defense is just so good. I, I I can't praise their defense enough. They came in. I think they came into this game with only 10 sacks on the season. We had mentioned this. Like they don't sack the quarterback a lot, but they affect the quarterback very well um and they sacked hooker six times in this game so really impressive they seem to have like it would appear that they sacked hooker a ton in the second half on like the same kind of delayed slot corner blitz that was the left tackle you know shout out transfer from florida (laughs) our guy uh out here you know just reliving the same left tackle it, it should be noted who false started while the referee was stopping the, yes. stopping the snap from occurring. That's how loud it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He had he had a rough Gerald Mincy, Mincy I believe his name. He had a rough he had a rough day. Um, uh, you hate to see that for him, but but yeah, I, I, you know, 
Georgia did the thing where they their DBs are physical and good, and they did not get beat over the top. And when Tennessee would com, you know complete one of those crossers, they would cut the guy down for a gain of like four to seven yards. And it was there was just Tennessee was not able to generate that big play. And frankly, they weren't able to generate like easy first downs that could get them into their tempo offense either. Yeah. Like that's kind of the thing with Tennessee is, you know, I think it's fairly systematic what they do. And I think Georgia was really well prepared for it and has the dudes to, to match up with the receivers um, to trust them more or less one-on-one. But, you know, they also did like just a nice job of, you know, they kind of played just like quarters umbrella coverage to kind of keep that, you know, keep the big play off the board. And then their linebackers and, you know, uh, nickel corners and, and safeties are so good at tackling in the open field that um, they were able to just kind of keep everything in front of them and play like fairly bland on the back end uh, and then just like make hookers life miserable. Their offensive yeah. line, Georgia's offensive line played great in this game too, especially in the first half. Like you mentioned, they, they stuffed it on Tennessee and they just looked, they just looked vastly better than Tennessee, which I don't know that I was expecting necessarily, but um, it was an impressive performance. Yeah, I I think it was really important too that Georgia got out to an early lead. Sure. I mean, after turning the ball over on their opening possession too, like they probably Correct. should yeah. have scored on the opening drive. I was a Bennett interception. Um, uh, I think it was a like it was a weird fumble. Okay. Yeah. So they turn it over first drive, but then like defense holds Tennessee, which. I think it's equally impressive to like keep that at bay on the heels of a quick change. Um, but for Georgia to get out to an early lead, it felt like Tennessee was maybe be looking or pressing for the big play that wasn't sure. necessarily there more than they either are accustomed to, or maybe like that, that kind of put them off schedule in terms yes. of what, the offensive script looked like and now you're down two scores and now the big play becomes even more shiny and appealing yeah and now hookers no, they're, the they're an avalanche they're an those, avalanche team for sure yeah, yeah now hookers holding the ball longer for those routes to develop and now that delayed blitz is getting home more often mm-hmm. than it would have if if it was a one score game perhaps so um, yeah yeah it, it all kind of came home for hooker there and and you know i don't think he played his best game uh, there was a couple overthrows on some deep guys that, like, it would appear that they were open, but, you know, there's the interception that he threw that the Georgia, like, Georgia defender Kylie Ringo was just in phase perfectly, yeah. boxed the receiver out, looked like, and caught the ball like like he was the one running the pattern. Like, it was, that that was, <laughs> like... Well, yeah, like, I had, I had like, gone to, gone to the bathroom yeah. or gone to get a, a fresh seltzer water or something, and, like, I came back and watched the uh watched the replay and i was like oh dang georgia scored again already because he's right. catching this over his shoulder he was ahead of the receiver yeah. going into the end zone and then i saw him with the kind of the spiky shoulder pads on and i was like oh that was that was a wild interception yeah yeah really good interception so yeah georgia you know i don't really think that like their offense blows you away but they their offense is very well schemed up to get the ball to the, to the, um, you know, like they'll run an end, an end around a couple times a game to Brock Bowers. And like, that guy is just such a load to bring down. So like, that's a first down, like whenever they get him the ball, it seems like, and you know, well, they don't necessarily you gotta, like keep an eye out for it. Yes. Defense too. Yeah. It's I mean, they've, they've stupid. done it. 
I've seen them do that multiple times. Bennett is like sneaky good at extending plays and running, even though he's not a great deep shot taker. Um, I think he did connect on one deep shot early in this game. That was that was kind of a, a big play for Georgia. But yeah, I mean, all in all, they just, you know, I don't want to say they figured out Tennessee because I think that like makes it seem like Tennessee is just only running like triple option and they're like better than that. But I do think at a certain point, if you're Georgia, like there's, well, if you're Tennessee, there's a limited number of schematic like wrinkles and, and changes you can make. Um, if you're just basically outmanned out wide, like they were and yeah. Georgia, Georgia has the guys and they like played it straight up and they tackled people in space and Tennessee wasn't able to, you know, basically run a guy wide open, you know, butt naked wide open three times in this game, just for three easy touchdowns. Right. That's just how it is. And then, like I said, the margin gets a lot skinnier for Hooker. He needs to hit on some of the more uh, riskier throws that he's forced to make down the field. And, you know, then they're not also not able to run the ball because they're trying to, you know, press too much. And Georgia went on a couple long drives in this game too, which was really, um, s- like, smart from a yeah. complimentary football standpoint. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and you also had a weird situation where, like, Jalen Hyatt twists, rolls his ankle on the officials leg while Oof. while he was going out of bounds for a ball i think that was in the first quarter maybe mm. so it was unclear to what degree that impacted their star receiver and kind of the offensive uh options yeah. available but yeah i mean they they have good receivers i know hyatt's certainly got a lot of the shine this year but i mean i, I don't know i i also sort of do the thing like i think anybody would it would be that wide open based on how tennessee was scheming it up earlier yeah. against some of these teams so i mean good good for them but yeah anyhow all right let's 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 move on but georgia far and away the number one team in the country to you yes. right now okay same yeah i would agree uh next we go to death valley where bama was at lsu um i was watching this one intensely based based on my interests at, at that time as previously noted on the yeah. podcast uh lsu ends up winning this game in the first overtime they went for two on their tud they they ran the same play that uh that notre dame had run twice against florida state in 2014 i believe it was yep. and brian kelly basically said in post game like yeah we ran it because we knew they weren't going to call the pick um, yeah must be nice brian but um i think like overall uh i was a little like nonplussed with the alabama offensive experience i don't know how much of that blame is bill o'brien's to shoulder i don't know how much of it is bryce young maybe having some lingering uh injury effects i don't know how much of it is like like we mentioned in the text, like Alabama does not have that guy on the outside who who can beat anybody in front of him like they have in the past with Amici or or a similar Devontae Smith type guy, right? Like they've yeah. got they've got I mean, really Waddle. Good they had they had Julio Jones at one point. Like I mean it's again, they, they have had since like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, all these guys, like yeah, they've had at least one and in some cases two to three of these guys. Yeah, so they like they've got talent out there, but it the Alabama offensive juggernaut for the last you know six, seven, eight years has been fueled by a lot of we've got a good quarterback, but we also have like a 
god of a wide receiver sure. that we can uh-huh. put him in the slot, we can send him deep, and he will mess your day up. Um, right. And they don't have that right now. So uh, I think because of that, I don't think Bill O'Brien is a good enough play caller to scheme around that and still put up 40, 50 points a game. Uh, I think Bryce Young missed some throws that he should have made. I think Alabama settled for some field goals in drives that probably could have ended up yeah. in touchdowns. Um, but credit to LSU. like They did everything they had to do. The defense played really hard. They were flying around at the ball. Jaden Daniels made some great throws, uh, made some great, great runs. runs. Like, yeah. yeah, they did everything they had to do. It was not a case of Alabama handed this to them. They went and got it. But I right. think because of Alabama's maybe not playing up to their full potential, it was there for the taking. Yeah, and, and the potential thing is kind of dicey, right? Because, like, yeah, we, we were talking about this. Like, it's easy to say, like, there's something that seems off or wrong with Alabama, right? And that's because Alabama has basically put themselves in an impossible situation to where, yeah. you know, they're going to lose two games this year before the Iron Bowl for the first time since, like, I don't know, 20, 2016 or 2018. or I mean, like, you know, it, it occasionally happens, but those are, like, way down years for Alabama. Um, but... Yeah, it just it's 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 a little curious. They don't seem as just they don't seem as sharp across the board. Um, the defense, you know, while being probably numbers wise as talented, if not more talented than Georgia's or Clemson's defense, like doesn't seem to play with the same edge that those defenses play with. Um, the DBs, I, I feel like Alabama's DBs get picked on more than you would expect for like a Nick Saban coach team, you know, and this is all grading on the curve of like how excellent they've been for right. like damn, damn near 20 years now. So I, I understand um, that we're probably like holding them to a standard that is unattainable, but like, I think we still think Alabama is what Georgia currently is. And, you know, yeah, I don't, I, I, I that's just not really true. Now, Alabama also just beat the absolute living hell out of Georgia last year one time when they played, which was yep. seems like the last like truly dominant like Alabama performance I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll beat up on Arkansas, they'll beat up on, you know, uh, a bad team, but you know, Alabama this year like what's their best win? Texas by 2 on the road? <laughs> Maybe. I think so. I mean, I don't think like you could go down the list. Now, on the same token like they you know, we, we really make it seem like, you know, it was a crazy thing they lost to Tennessee. Like, Tennessee's really good, and yeah. Alabama, like, literally lost that game on a coin flip. Like, yeah. their kicker missed a 50-yard field goal that he had the leg for, and the other guys, other team's kicker made his. And, you know, if that's the difference in the game, so be it. You know, they're not that off. This this came down to a two-point conversion. But the Texas A&M game also came down to a, a goal-to-go play from the two-yard line that they, you know, that – Jimbo hammed up a little bit and mm-hmm. you know this is just it's just been very like their their margins have been shrinking recently and it's it's been kind of curious like why yeah. why this is the thing um I think there's a little bit of Bryce Young injury concern with the shoulder I don't think they run as much RPO like that involves him in the running game as mm-hmm. they would like to uh their offense is always very heavily RPO based um and I think makes the best use of his running abilities and uh Jameer Gibbs is running and receiving abilities and they like, I don't think they can do that as much as they would probably want to lean on it. If you go back to those two years 
different offensive coordinator, granted, but like they ran RPO like sixty five percent of the time. Yeah. Um, well, in the the I think it was the overtime drive. They when they had the ball, they had first and goal, second and goal, third and goal. Uh, I think first and second and goal both like they looked like the read play, yeah. but if if Young would have pulled it, he would have had he would have walked into the end zone off the sure. edge. So right. and he gave the ball both times, so it looked like one of those like it's a fake read. Yeah. We're giving it. Um, so that maybe to your point about not really letting him run as much. Right. Yeah. It's it's just uh it's it's been curious, but credit to LSU. Also credit to Brian Kelly for like not trotting his field goal team out there for a super nervy um, extra point, given that this would be the exact same way they lost to Florida State um, in week one, right? Like, you kind of got to know your opponent, know what you're in for. Like, I think, I don't think that that's like the ballsiest thing on earth that he did. I, I just think that was a smart decision. And yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, you're at home and you have you have a play that you want to run. Um, I saw someone on Twitter point out, like, why don't you just go for two? <laughs> I, I, I wonder if we'll start to see, like, teams go for two more if they have the ball first and score a touchdown. Um, because, like, eventually you're going to get – if you, you if it all works out, like, for both teams on offense, like, you're going to get to the two-point shootoff anyway, so you're probably going to be – you're yeah, going to have already Spencer, run your good, your good plays, right? I think you're, it was Spencer who's like, plays. yeah, you, you're – your best two point plays don't get better by you waiting to use them in the third overtime. Right. right. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that Saban necessarily got outfoxed here, but it was kind of the right decision and, and they ran the play and it was a great throw. Um, crazy to think that Jason Taylor's kid is out here, um, you know, playing college football in America and, and, and playing well, but the year know. of our Lord 20, 2022, <laughs> but that's right. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to make this all about like what's wrong with Alabama, but I just uh, it's been interesting to see them kind of like I don't know come back to the pack a little bit based yeah. on like some just sort of weird weird things, and you know it does make you I guess grateful and and realize like how special those teams were that yep. you know the thing that likely was making those teams go was just like extreme dynamic NFL talent on the outside, um, and you know, but like. They also those teams also had like Bo Scarborough that they could give the ball to, yep. and he was two hundred and forty five pounds. Yeah, exactly. And and you know so there's you know they, they seem to be missing a little bit of that too. I think Gibbs is really good, but he's more of a modern, you know, I don't want to say scat back, but he's more of a modern running back. Like he's not going to just tote the rock right and in, in right. forty times a game. Well, not that you, you don't that, have you know. a game breaker on the outside, like. Sure. You, you don't need as much help on the outside. So you, you right. can maybe drop another guy into the box to help out with a run. And so that impacts your run game. And when you can't run your quarterback as often as you like to, like you said, that also puts more pressure on Mr. Gibbs. So Right. Yeah. But yeah, losing but, losing straight up as a 13-point favorite, not not the best look for Coach no. Saban and the boosters. No. no. To Brian uh, Kelly. To Brian Kelly at that. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, losing straight up as a as a smaller favorite were the Clemson Tigers. Um, they were on the road at Notre Dame. Uh, we are staring down the barrel of, I believe, the first college football playoff ever that will neither include the Clemson Tigers nor the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, uh, just a little little I mean, morsel to to be excited for coming up. Um, get some new faces at the dance. Who knows? But uh, 
I didn't watch. Maybe, maybe uh, some faces that are wearing purple. That would be nice to see. Uh, you know, TCU yeah, get a shot. The Dukes, Why not? for sure. Um, <laughs> or the Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't watch any of this. I did see a tweet from our our guy Statso War that uh, Notre Dame had come into this game like in the bottom third, bottom fourth of schools in terms of rushing offense uh, efficiency or production, something along those lines. They apparently just ran all over Clemson, which is uh, interesting given Clemson's defense, probably their stronger unit so far this season. And yeah, I, I just like still in the Notre Dame games where they put up points, it was like, okay, well, that was against North Carolina's defense. So what? Like UVA scored four touchdowns against that same defense. I, right. I don't. So, yeah, good, good for uh, Coach Freeman though. He uh, he seemed to be kind of relieved, jacked and pumped. pretty jacked to, and pumped after yeah. this one. Yeah, man, fills I mean, out a quarter zip for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, was the point you're making that they like had a good offensive performance? Because I, I don't even know if that's necessarily true. Well, just uh, from a, a running the yeah. ball. Okay, because yeah, I think given that Pine, that was not one of Drew their Pine was nine of seventeen for eighty-five yards and a touchdown in this game. They were very clear. I think they ran the ball forty. T- they ran the ball forty-seven times in this game. Yeah. So they had a they had a clear agenda. Um, certainly a, a blocked punt, touchdown, and a pick six uh, stack fourteen points in the uh, in the let's run the ball forty-seven times column. That's yep. gonna that's gonna go well for you. Clemson's offense is just totally inept. I don't know what's going on. Uh, DJU somehow was 27 of 39 for 191 yards. Like you throw 39 passes for 191 yards. <clears throat> That's ridiculous. Uh, Clubnick came in for like one drive. It was 0 of 1, which is really weird. I don't know if they were just looking to see if he if he had the magic dust. He did not have the magic dust, and they quickly went back to DJU uh, for some reason. But um, yeah, I mean, Shipley 12 carries, 63 yards. So, you know, just kind of really pedestrian performances across the board. Uh, for the club's offense, especially passing the ball. So DJ only carried it five times. He had 50 yards. That, like, pretty good yard per pop. Maybe there was something there you could have could have gone to a little bit more. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm not an offensive coordinator. You know, let's hope that Jeff Scott doesn't find his way back to Clemson and, and you know, prefers <laughs> other, other things. But um, maybe, maybe he could help out. But it would appear that they have just like some, some personnel issues. And I would surmise some play calling issues. Oh, Kate Klubnik was over one with a pick. That might be why he didn't go back in the game. Yeah, that was because his his one pass was a bad interception. Definitely not ma- magic dust. Right, but um. So so his QBR was twenty eight point two, uh, only ten behind DJU. So right, over <laughs> one, for one with a pick <laughs> was only ten behind your starter. That's not two through damn near 40 passes in the game um yeah just just not good by clemson um you know Debo took it like you know took it like you should in the post game uh and you know they, they whipped our you know this was just an absolute well, very big you know? of him and uh you know he's i hope he didn't curse or he's gonna have to talk to i think he, he may have said oh, he no. might have, even they whipped our was what he said something right. to that effect so um but yeah no i mean it, it's a good win for notre dame i i still have my questions about notre dame but i think you know clemson after uh you know appearing offended that everyone was calling out their college football playoff ranking from last week being a little elevated for this 
horrible product they've been putting on the field and basically just getting away with um, all season comes out and lays like just such a colossal egg in this game to really, you know, get them out of there. So hopefully we don't have to see any more Clemson and we're not doing the thing where there's like one lost Clemson like lurking around that we're going to try to talk ourselves into like well, deserves it over undefeated TCU or something like that. So the, all right, now, now we've got a real like pickle of a choice here. We really do, do we want do we want to do the one loss Clemson dance or do we want to do the one loss North Carolina dance? Because that is still a possibility. Are we still? Oh no, we needed Alabama to win to do the weird one loss uh, trifecta of SEC yeah. teams that would just make everybody so mad. Yeah. Um. Well, Clemson and North Carolina will get to handle it on the field, right? Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like one of those teams could potentially be saying, I've got one <laughs> loss out of the ACC. God, the ACC is so bad too. They're yeah. just, it's just like not a good conference. Like the Big 12 is a much better conference, but yeah. they are kind of cannibalizing each other more than the ACC is. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I, don't I just really need TC. Mac Brown on, on the college football playoff stage. You want North Carolina to probably play Georgia in like the first game. Like that's going to be an whooping of biblical performance. Yes. Yes. You got a, a high school offense and a freshman quarterback against that defense, bunch of rabid dogs. I yeah, mean, yeah, that, I like that would be fun to watch, but I would not enjoy <laughs> all of the Mac, all of the action oh, 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 leading up to it and all the, all the crouton he'd get to do on ESPN. Fair enough. All right. Well, so that was that. Clemson. You hate to see it. Sorry about it. Uh, stay, speak of the ACC, Wake at NC State. Didn't watch any of this either. Uh, what's going on with Wake? They're just weird. Wake is, Wake is weird. Sam, what, what ails you, brother? I don't know. I, th- I mean, NC State's defense is good, and it appears that this true freshman uh, – I heard that this kid was the first true freshman to start a quarterback for NC State since Phillip Rivers was yep. at NC State. That's crazy. Um, he seems to be okay. Uh, I mean, Wake certainly didn't turn the ball over 10 times this game, so maybe that's a step in the right direction. But, yeah, I think we might have got a little full of ourselves the last like year and a half on Wake, and, and maybe uh, they might be regressing a little bit to the mean. Yeah. So they or lost the, by the, nine. The long delayed mesh point uh, play is uh, just not lost luster. Yes, yeah, maybe maybe teams are figuring out that they could just blow that up. Yeah, Coach Dan Mullen would never have taught it that way in two thousand and four or whenever that video was filmed. Never sent you on the YouTube. But um, so those are right. picks. Tough week, tough yep. week. Hopefully, we'll, uh, I'll revisit the film as promised. To, Thank you to check on Logan's standing, but. Uh, Please we post a, a, yeah, an individual we'll podcast, better. a solo pod, um, announcing the apology and uh, awarding me my one in four so I can be one in nine in the last two weeks, I believe. I'm just really um, trying to avoid being 0 and 10 in the last two weeks. Um, I blame you. Just a, a real statistical anomaly that, that would even happen. Uh, the last thing to touch on here, Jeff Scott, USF head coach, we hinted at it, fired today. News has come down from on high. Um, former Clemson offensive coordinator was like the first Clemson uh, coordinator to leave for a head coaching job uh, before Venables and Elliott did this last offseason. 
Um, I think people were pretty high on him. Allegedly, he had a, a strong hand in recruiting a lot of like those dogs, you know, like the the stud wide receivers uh, that Clemson had: your T. Higgins, your Justin Ross, your your, your people like that. Um, I think USF has the potential to be an okay job. We have seen USF weirdly be like random. They were like number three in the country or something once upon a time. Those the Bortles years? No, he was at UCF. Um, who was the quarterback at USF? They had another one of those like sort of rugged, like Rodney Landers type Big quarterbacks. Stocky guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think he made it in the league, but uh, yeah, it's in Tampa. I think they're like moving to, I think they have a stadium or a facility on the way. It's kind of one of those, they're investing in football, yada, yada, the thing you hear. Um, I don't really think there's an excuse for a, a school in Tampa not to probably accrue some more talent than they have. Um, maybe maybe they have some talent and it just hasn't been um, used this year. Gary Bohannon is their quarterback. You might remember him as, you know, Baylor's quarterback last year who almost won the Big 12. So, you know, they have they seem to be like a, a school that gets a lot of like kind of transfers or, you know, kids who maybe don't qualify at your big three programs in Florida kind of matriculate their way over to USF. And I don't know why they're having such a tough time putting a decent product on the field in the conference they're in, but um, yeah, probably time for them to look for someone else. So I think uh, Quinton flowers was yes. QB. Yes, it was well done. Yeah. But I don't know. Right. I don't know who, uh, who's been super tied to this job. I saw some Jeff Levy. I saw (laughs) some, uh, um, Kendall Bryles. Mm. Um, so, TBD. Hugh Freeze. <laughs> Hugh Freeze, USF. A lot of strip clubs in Tampa. That would be tough for Hugh. Yeah. Well, he's on the straight and narrow. He's got a solid foundation. Yeah, built, he's, on the yeah. Straight and, he's on the straight and narrow now. He's not doing that anymore. Yeah, the narrow path. The very narrow path. Hey, now. Um, while, while we're on the coaching carousel. Okay. It's time for my annual What Are We Doing with David Shaw discussion. Oof. They they got the brakes beat off of them by Washington State uh, yeah. at home. They somehow have a win over, over Notre Dame this year. <laughs> yes, they do. Notre Dame has two of the most perplexing losses in all of college football this year. <laughs> and they happen, like, weirdly, like, back-to-back weeks or something. So Stanford's 3-6 and six this season. They went 3-9 and nine last year. Mm-hmm. They went uh, COVID year. COVID year, they actually went four and two with four losses to, or four wins to end the season. But I mean, like you're combined six and eighteen in your last like two one and a half, one and three quarters full seasons of football. Twenty nineteen season, you went four and eight. Like they haven't been a in a bowl since eighteen. That's a while ago at this point. Yeah, the Hyundai Sun, Sun Bowl against Pitt, and they beat Pitt 14-13. Oh, my gosh. What a terrible... <laughs> J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had 90 receiving yards. Thank you for thank you for, uh, for that nugget. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I just... I typically, like, don't believe... Like, a lot of, like, Miami, Miami fans would be like, well, you know, Miami, the administration just 
didn't care about football. Mm-hmm. That's why we suck. Like the same thing at Florida. They, the administration was so too worried about, you know, becoming a top five academic institution, public public school that they like they didn't care about football. It's like you can't tell me that any SEC school that's paying their football coach, you know, seven and a half million dollars a year and, you know, a staff upwards of $10 million a year and has a hundred thousand seat stadium. Like you can't tell me like these people don't care. I do kind of think Stanford doesn't care though. Yeah. And I think that he's a good representative of the program to probably like, you know, use a a blase term that just means like he's a well-spoken articulate black guy. Right. Like that's honestly what people will say. And, you know, unfortunately like he gets painted that way. He, I think had success early and got a lot of like, NFL, you know, he would be, he would only leave for the NFL. Like, I don't know where all that stuff came from, but that still kind of comes up occasionally. Like I'm with you. It's, it's very strange. And I, you know, I only think it's going to get worse for Stanford as they move into, as we move into like this, whatever, you know, whatever you want to say, new era of college football, like they don't get transfers into that program. Really. They don't, you know, I, I would, I would think people leave that program. You know, they have a decent quarterback, I believe. Um, from a from like a, a recruiting star standpoint mm-hmm. but yeah i mean if you're not doing it the stanford way which seems to have been like like wisconsin light a little bit um you know wisconsin has even kind of given up on, on the wisconsin thing so yeah, yeah I, I don't know like i i do think that there's like a, a whole bunch of uh like contributing factors and i i think that like general apathy about Stanford football like is on the list of contributing factors. Um, yeah. But. And I, I wonder too, and maybe Jason could speak more to this than either of us could, but I think I remember hearing that Stanford has a very unique, like athletic department funding situation where like a that. lot of these schools, like they need football to pay for everything else pretty much. Right. But like, right. Stanford has an outstanding athletic department as a whole and the success of all their other teams and programs, but they don't necessarily need like football to generate the revenue in, in the magnitude that other schools typically do. And I think they just have a lot of, they have more just like a private donors. Um, which is interesting from from a school who like, you know, Vir, you know Virginia. When Mike Lennon was here, he talked about like, oh, let's be the Stanford of the East, and it's like, well, like we don't have that kind of money coming in that that Stanford allegedly does that like would right. put some of these facilities in place. But anyhow, that's a whole yeah. No, I'm with you. It is it is weird. Like I kind of feel like the mutual parting of ways is going to be inevitable in the next couple of years, but. I don't know. He's been the coach there for a long time. I mean, he, has he been the coach there since Harbaugh left? I think so. Yeah. So I mean, that's like that's like a the guy at Utah, like Whittingham, has been there since Urban Meyer left, I believe. Like that's yeah. a long time now. I mean, Urban Meyer took over Florida in two thousand five, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot's happened in Urban's life since then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot has happened in, in, in Whittingham. So, but. Yeah, he just stays elevated and beating the piss out of teams he should beat. It's, it's all those, it's all the platelets and red blood cells he has. Right, just keeps him it's basically useful. doping. It's and aggressive, natural doping. It is, but 
Um, I think uh, North Texas has been playing better too, so I think we can take Seth Luttrell off the list, at least for now. Good for them. Um, if you want to bounce around real quick, we I mean, so currently we have Nebraska, uh, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Colorado, Wisconsin, USF, and Charlotte are all open as I currently understand it. Um, yeah, let's get some let's get some butts and seats, you know. See what happens. I agree. Like let's let's hire an NFL coordinator like on Tuesday and really really get this process. Let's get some dominoes falling. Oof. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Jordan, we did pretty good for just the two of us. Yeah. Really stretched it out here. Um, you, do you have anything else? Content on, online. Uh, right. I don't think so. I think okay. I got all in my all my snark and congratulations. What's your um, What's your temperature check on the Tony Elliott experience? Are we feeling a little bit better after this performance? I strangely am, given that none of the receivers played. But the, all they do is drop passes. All the guys who yeah, drop passes. Yeah, I, like, I still like the marks of a poorly coached team show up yes false starts at home not getting 11 guys out on the punt unit like burning weird timeouts and he like i i mean you have mentioned this before i have mentioned this before but just like does a lot of demonstrative screaming and it it doesn't seem to have an effect or the intended effect and like that's not something you can do you gotta earn you gotta earn that you gotta earn the right to choose somebody out yes and like maybe he has and like i just i've been away from from that for for long enough that i i don't recognize it it taking hold but um i don't know it seems like and and again maybe that's part of like like we talked about miami like maybe when his guys show up like he recruited knowing that they they respond to that better than because like Bronco was not a chew guys out coach. He was right. like he will be weirdly calm and like direct and say right. some non sequiturs and uh, give you a book to read. Um, but yeah, which, I, I don't know. Potentially would be more psychologically troubling than just yeah. getting yelled at. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like Mike Norvell had a fairly uh, um, large televised blow up on the sideline this weekend at a player, but like you could tell that he, like, he was chewing, he was giving it to the guy on his way off the field, and the kid was like really upset, right, yeah. and like walked away and was like ripping his helmet off and stuff. And Norvell came back around, like sought him out, and talked to him, and like dude, the face-to-face, like, you could, like, the look at me, like, yep. like you know, like, the centering conversation. It yep. wasn't just yelling to be, like, mean, yelling guy, which is... It kind feels of like that's I mean, how... Dabo does that. It feels like that's how the Tony Elliott stuff happens, but I also want to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, when sure. when we do our spinoff uh, Bachelor episodes, we talk about people not getting good edits. Like, sure. producer trucks decide, like, yeah. what what version of Tony Elliott shows up on TV. So like right. we, I have not seen the like walk back and, and have the calm, cool, collected conversation. Um, that doesn't mean it's not taking place. Right. So, well, I just hope that he's saving some of this yelling for the offensive coordinator too. Yeah. You know, 
Hopefully for, for OC Jeff Scott 2023. <laughs> Hopefully to get it fixed. You can, Virginia can get in line. I think Jeff Scott's going to have his. Uh, if he wants to coach, he'll have plenty of places to fly. Hell, trade. Alabama would take him. That's probably true. If I was too. Nick Saban, I'd I'd make that phone call. Yeah, you know Todd Grantham being attached to the Alabama program. In hindsight, we should have really seen. <laughs> we should have really seen what was happening here. So, but anyhow. All right. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. So we will uh, put it on ice until later this week. Hopefully we, we uh, catch up before some weekend trips. We might have a bit of a weird schedule coming up, be recording on some off days. So, you know, the two of you who text me complaining about why there's no fresh new content, just relax. All right. Just we're, click we're subscribe. On. It'll show up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but it's the wheel route. We're on Instagram at wheel route podcast. We have an email address. It is wheel route podcast at gmail.com. You can go to thewheelroute.com. You can check the picks spreadsheet uh, there. You can stream the show there. You can see our beautiful faces there. Um, and yeah, you can get the show for your favorite podcast acquisition service. Until we meet again, we love you guys. Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.